0: Everything normal. Today, my brother smiled at me. Our mother was always after us to study hard and do well in our exams, as education was our only hope. It was a maddening refrain that ran on an everlasting loop in our home. It infuriated me, but I didn't realize the effect it was having on Tapan, my elder brother, by nine years. Even as a young boy, Tapan was the shock absorber of our family and the man of the house, picking up all the slack that our father's absence inevitably created. And we let him. Until one day, he just collapsed. I assumed he was sick, like a fever or something. He'd be better soon. And everything would be back to normal again. But I think Mummy knew instinctively this was different. Because she harangued him to pull himself together. The world wasn't going to stop spinning for his convenience... He needed to study hard, do well in his exams, da-da-da-da-da-da. He stopped talking, even listening. No question of going to school or doing exams. In fact, no reading, no TV, no video games. Mummy kept assuring me he'd shake it off today, or today, or today. But after 10 days, we both knew that wasn't going to happen. If he was given food, he ate. If not, he stayed hungry. He bathed and washed his clothes and remained personally fastidious. But he totally and absolutely refused to engage. He performed his old chores without looking up or speaking a word. The rest of the time, he lay motionless on his bed and stared at the wall. My darling adored brother had just opted out. We roped in his friends, relatives, the family doctor who was wheedled into a home visit, and even the local priest. Nothing worked. In his presence, we talked very obviously of things he'd been interested in. Cricket, movies, school gossip. He countered by wearing headphones to drown out our chatter. We had no idea how to reach him. So we just worried and hoped and prayed. We'd adapted around Papa's absence. And now, we adapted around Tappan's. Years passed in despair. Hopelessness saturated our home like a heavy sludge, filling every corner and climbing the walls so you couldn't breathe. Tapan should have finished college. But he was still in his bedroom. I watched his shoulders stoop, his cheeks hollow out, his colour fade, and his eyes become blank pools. I became withdrawn and silent myself, though not as bad as him. I turned ferociously to my studies and brought home excellent report cards, and that was what kept me sane. On the bus home from school one day, somebody slid into the seat next to me and said hello. I cannot tell you how shocked I was. I muttered a flavourless hello back and was rewarded with such a bright smile as if the sun had snuck secretly onto that bus. She said she'd noticed me a few times and I always looked very lost in my own world. She had a bright face and soft, kind eyes. But I'd known other people with kind eyes and kept my mouth shut tight as a steel trap so I can't explain what happened that day. I don't even remember how it devolved but it came tumbling out of me in a torrent. She escorted me off the bus at the correct stop and we sat together in a corner and I talked and talked and talked until she sent me home lest my mother would worry. It took days of overflowing like this before she spoke. She admitted she'd started out worrying about me. But now she saw that Tapan was the real concern. If he could be helped, I'd be okay. We'd all be okay. She'd built back the self-esteem and confidence of other young men. So she was optimistic for Tapan too. What she spoke of so confidently seemed impossible to me, like a miracle. But she didn't speak of miracles. Only of practicalities. She called herself a rental sister, but she was really a kind of psychological counselor. The term came from Japan and she liked it and adopted it because being a sister, even a rental one, gave her phenomenal access. And she needed access as her subject of specialization was locked down people. I was just astounded that whatever Tapan was going through was common enough to have a name. She fixed it up with mummy. She'd visit Tapan twice a week. She sat outside his door and chatted with him in her lively voice. She wrote him notes and read from books. She talked about the news or us, his family or about her own life. Not all sunsets and roses but just as thorny as ours. She laughed, she cried, she sat silently. She had infinite patience. He didn't accept her notes or respond to her questions or comments. Never opened the door, never stepped out in her presence and once when she came in as he was eating, he abandoned his unfinished meal and locked himself back into his room. She kept coming and kept talking. Week after week, Month after month, she guided mummy and me to behave normally with him, not to shield him. He had to learn to shield himself, she said. That's what she was there for, to retrain him, to cope. And so she herself spoke to him of all manner of things, including failure and hopelessness and other dark things. One day, months after her first visit, when mummy had made Tapan's favourite malpua's, He washed and put away his plate and stood for a long time in silence at the sink as we carried on with whatever we were doing as advised by sister. He hesitated beside mummy on his way back to his room and in the now normal silence of our home, he dropped two distinct words. Thank you. And before either of us could assimilate them, he was gone and we heard his door click shut. His voice had sounded cracked and strange. He hadn't used it for so long. Both of us bawled, stuffing our faces into cushions so that he'd not hear us. It was so unexpected, so beyond all hope. We phoned sister and she was happy, but said she'd come again only as usual. We were not to initiate any contact when he next stepped out. Stay normal. There were agonizingly long, hopeful months between each step. There were retreating steps too, crushing us to despair. But the advancing steps caused hope to burgeon madly in our hearts and we could build whole worlds on them despite sister's every caution. She taught him breathing exercises and vocal exercises which he did in the dead of night so he wouldn't disturb us. But I listened for them every night. Those sounds were the best lullaby in the world. They reassured me that my brother was on his way back. Somehow she nursed him and his fragile psyche back this side of the border of normal. She even got him on an online study schedule en route to making up his arrears. I wasn't that far behind Tapan now? He'd lost five years of his life. One day, as sister sat chatting with him through the shut door in her usual way, he unlocked his door and she casually pushed it open and walked in as if it was the most normal thing to do. I wept with delight for him, but was also heartbroken for myself. Why not me? His real sister. Sister admonished me. I was too precious to Tapan and he was scared to hurt me any more than he already had. I must not lose faith in him. The logic was twisted yet it made sense to me. The first time he stepped out of the house it was for me on my birthday. He was waiting at the bus stop when I returned from school we walked home in burning silence for no words could express the seething tangle of emotions. He let me touch his hand briefly in thanks before he walked silently into his room and shut the door. I also accepted this massive gift wordlessly. Sister said, we must act normal. She reduced her visits to only one a week. Mummy and I were instantly terrified. She'd been coming twice a week for years. Would he be okay? Would her absence trigger a relapse? But Tapa took it calmly, as if everything was normal. She'd known exactly when to make the cut. It's incredible to think she achieved all this only by talking, mostly about how life was both good and bad and one just had to sway with the punches. She accepted that he'd been broken and she basically said that was okay. It happened. There was no shame. But he could mend himself too. She put the control of his life firmly back in his own hands and made him see that even withdrawal was a choice, a destructive one. Why not make a better choice? She got mummy to back off on her full court press of study, 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 and she permitted me to have faith in Tapan again. She was so subtle, so soft, so gentle, yet all-pervasive, like water. She surrounded us and buoyed us up, all of us, not just Tapan, until we felt we could stay afloat ourselves. And today, my darling adored brother looked in my eyes and offered me a small smile. And I'm crying so hard inside, I think I will die of joy and relief and the resurgence of hope.